0: Hello and welcome to the Narrow Gate Podcast. This is your host, Orla, and I'm delighted to be back with you. This is episode 27 of the podcast, and um, I'm really enjoying it. The podcast is for all subscribers, free and paid, and it will continue like that. Um, the podcast will always be free, so uh, please do follow. Um so this evening, well, this evening here in Asia, um, I want to talk about the topic of sin, okay? So the title here I wrote, I don't struggle with sin. It's not even something I think about all that much. Okay, I know that a lot of Christians would not like that title, Um But I wrote it in a reaction to what I'm reading online from Christians. Not just on New Creation, the publication that I run. I I mean across the board, okay? Uh, So, Because I know most of the writers on New Creation. So most writers on New Creation uh, kind of have the same thinking of me as me anyway. But um, I was reacting to a kind of the thinking that Christians have, okay? I'm not saying what countries, uh, you know, I'm from Ireland, so we are more new to these born-again evangelical churches, so we don't have that ingrained history of evangelicalism in our country. So I don't have that history. My history would be different. I'm from a Catholic background in Ireland, in Europe, so I... Um, It would be different to say America, and a lot of Americans are writing online. So I'm sort of, whoa, wow, this is interesting for me. This is how a lot of American Christians are perceiving Christianity. And uh, so it's great that we have this difference that we can discuss. So I wrote this. I don't struggle with sin. It's not even something I think about all that much. So why are so many Christians struggling with sin? Now, I wrote that because, well, it's the truth. I'm not struggling with sin, but I know the Christians would think, oh, dear, look at her. She's so proud. She's going to trip now. Oh, yeah, pride comes before the fall and all of that. Well, I can tell you, I did not write that without really asking the Lord. I can't write that. They're all going to criticize me. But this is our position in Christ. And this is where the teaching has been all wrong for centuries. This is why people are not reading the Bible correctly. And I was caught in the Catholic Church for many, many years. Me, my mother, my father, my parents, my whole country. They're still not talking about this in the Catholic Church. So I'm only talking about the Catholic Church. But the Protestant Church and many churches don't teach the message that we are free in Christ. We are free in Christ. So if I'm sinning all the time and falling into sin and, oh, I feel so guilty, I need to go back and repent, oh, I feel so bad, oh, but Jesus forgives me, oh, it's okay, I'll just go again, oh, no, I've sinned again. That is no freedom. That is not freedom, and that is not the freedom we are supposed to be walking in. And so this is why I'm doing the podcast And this is the thinking, oh, don't talk like that. Because if you talk like that, Orly, you're going to go out and sin tomorrow. You know, you've got to be careful. We're all sinners saved by grace. So it does, it drives me crazy. But there is a process that brought me to this stage. And that's what this podcast is going to discuss this evening. I didn't just wake up one morning and say, hey, I don't struggle with sin. When we learn, when we learn what it's all about, God shows us, he teaches us, and then we're not struggling, but there's a reason we're not struggling. So let's go down with it and see what what am I talking about. So if you can follow me down if you want on the newsletter, because I'm actually reading from the newsletter. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's from Galatians five 1. The Apostle Paul writing to the Galatians about don't be getting burdened again with sin, the yoke of slavery. So bondage, sin is bondage. It's bondage. You're not free. So we want to be free in Christ, free from sin. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. I can't believe I'm even saying this. I shouldn't have to teach this stuff. But as St. Paul says, we're teaching people who haven't matured in Christ. That's why I'm teaching this. It's a joke. It seems like a joke, but it's true. The Apostle Paul says, you should be teachers by now. You should be on the meat, but I'm giving you baby food. You're on the milk. You should be on the solid food by now and mature and becoming a teacher, but here you are 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, and we have to give you the milk all over again. That's the Apostle Paul, not me. But I'm just saying what the Apostle Paul has been teaching in the uh, New Testament. So, dear brothers and sisters, are you struggling with sin? If so, why? And what is the sin? Now, I wrote here, what is this behavior that you are calling sin, and is it even sin? And because that's another condemnation that I hear amongst Christians... Oh, you know, I'm just struggling with sin, but don't worry, I repent, and it's okay, and God's going to forgive me. Oh, no, I fell back again. What did you fall back on? What are you talking about? You know, a lot of the things people are saying aren't sin. Oh, did you shout at your mother because she was just annoying you or something? Is that a sin that you shouted back at your mother? Because she did something to annoy you? Did your mother sin? And your reaction? You're calling your reaction a sin? These things are not necessarily sin. Those kind of things is like, oh, right, oh, gosh, you know, I I was at and I was talking and I exaggerated. You know, exaggeration is an, an interesting one because exaggeration is a kind of a form of a lie. Am I a liar if I exaggerate? Well, it is a form of a lie, I suppose, but it's not really a sin that I'm going to fall back and die and feel that I'm the worst Christian in the world. But exaggeration is something that could be purified and refined. Why do we exaggerate? Exaggeration, stretching the truth in order to look better, to feel better. Okay, it's immature, but it's not necessarily sin. That's my thought on it, okay? So if you are a Christian and those little things are making you feel condemned and so bad and so guilty, well, then you're just being way too hard on yourself, okay? Those type of things are for refinement, sanctification, purification. We're constantly refining our behavior. We want to be constantly... Uh, reflecting every night, every night, every morning. How did I behave today? Did I handle that situation well or could I have handled it better? Doesn't mean I'm gonna beat myself up if I reacted a little bit too hasty or something. No, we have we take it to the Lord in prayer, okay, every night. Every day. So, if you had a situation with your wife, your husband, your boss, your neighbor, your landlord, whatever, you could have handled it better. You feel a little bit guilty. There's nothing wrong with feeling guilty. Guilty is a sign. A sign that you probably could have handled the situation better. Was it a really? Was it a sin? No, probably not. You probably could have handled it better, so you have choices then. You can say will I go and make an amend with that person? Will I will I talk to that person tomorrow and apologize and say I'm really sorry I was having a bad day. I overreacted and you were I was totally out of order. You've sorted that out for yourself as a mature human being. Don't start crying and thinking, oh, my, I've lost my Christian life. No, you go and you take action. You do something about it. So, like, a lot of these things are just maturing as a human being, okay? Sin. What is real sin? Let's start with the real sin. Well, well, it's going to be, it's in this this, uh, newsletter. Right, let me just go to the bottom. You know, what is sin? We have, um, you have sexual sin, you have sexual thoughts. So I'm at the end of the newsletter. What are the desires of the sinful nature? What are these sins that we're talking about that are really like the ones that really God detests with pride? Definitely pride. So if you can't apologize to somebody, well, that's pride, and God hates pride. So if you do say something wrong to someone and you can't apologize, well, it's the pride that's the problem. The desires of the sinful nature result in sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, and dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So, obviously, sexual sin is definitely uh, against the will of God, lustful pleasures against the will of God, idolatry, and idolizing anything above God is sorcery that's like witchcraft, hostility. Well, we know what that is, quarreling. Yeah, quarreling is a sin. So, if we quarrel, we can go and make amends. Just do it, quick. Jealousy. Okay, so it is a sin to be jealous. But I looked at all this. If we look at the title, I was talking about me and my sin, that I don't struggle with it. I didn't ever struggle much with jealousy in my life. It wasn't something in me. I, Because I searched my heart, the Bible says. Search my heart, O God. King David says, search my heart, O God, and know me. Jealousy was not an issue of mine. It wasn't something I struggled with. But I know some people struggle with that more. Everybody gets jealousy occasionally in their life. But I didn't have it as a big problem. So what I did in my journey is that I, as I read the Bible and come across these teachings, I would sit and ask myself, who am I quar- quar- quarreling with? Who am I fighting with? Have I made amends? Have I tried to make amends? It says also in other parts of the Bible, be at peace as much as it's possible on your side. I have some people in my life that I have tried to make amends, but they don't want it because they're proud. I can't do anything about that, nor can you. So you just do your part. You be at peace as much as you can. They say in some of the meetings on the 12-step, I talk about 12-step meetings because I think they're very good for people. I only went to them for a while. I think they're very useful. And it says, sweep your own side of the street. I love that. That's all you can do, which means, you know, I'm going to do my part to clean up my sin, my inner life with God, so that I can stand before God clean, blameless, and pure. And I can't help it if the other person hates me or doesn't forgive me or is angry with me. And I try to make an amend and they don't want to. So there's not a lot I can do about that. And there could be people also there in my life that I haven't um, been aware of. And if they come to my mind, I then have to ask God to show me how to address it or not address it. Some things are just best left. Selfish ambition, outbursts of anger. Now, I said earlier, if if you got angry with your mother or something, I mean if you snap back at your mother because she said something and you just snap back, you know, familiarity in a familiar relationship. Okay, so it's not great. It's not great for the relationship to do that with a family member or whatever, but it may not be one of the biggest sins, but an outburst of anger is generally kind of a rage, real aggression. Okay, so that would definitely be a sin. Because we have to discern that some anger is good, you know, because God gave us all these emotions, and anger is a very good emotion for telling us that something is wrong or someone has hurt us or someone has violated us, someone has crossed our boundary. So this inner anger that comes up, There's nothing wrong with that. You can say, Oh, I feel angry. Go to God. Pray, Lord, I feel angry. That person's violated my boundary. I feel so angry. You take that to God in prayer. That's where you go. This is what it means to be free free from sin. You're continuously taking things to God in prayer every single day. So, The answer to being free from sin is having a life of prayer. Drunkenness is sin. Can I really be sitting drunk and praying to God and be in the will of the Father and have a relationship with God? No. God tells us not to be drunk. Be drunk in the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. So there are some of the sins. So that's what I mean is that I have handed that over when I was born again. I surrendered everything. I knew without God I couldn't actually do any of these things myself. I could not remain a holy person by myself. Some of the things uh, didn't leave me until I surrendered more to God. And the more I surrendered, the better I was at living a more peaceful life. Now, you will meet people who know me, say, in Ireland, because I'm now in Vietnam. And they don't like me. There are people who don't like me. The Bible tells us people will hate you. Yeah, because when you start to follow God and you really start to change your life and be transformed and people who are close to you won't like it because you're going, you're trying to clean up your inner life. You're doing it. The spirit of God is doing it also. And you can't but say to people that you love, but look, you can't be like that because, you know, you are changing, you love them. So when you tell them, they don't like you. So you will have enemies as you go on this journey of purification. So um, let's just go back a little bit here and what is sin so according to the calmest dictionary sin or a sin is an action or type of behavior which is believed to break the laws of god okay so let's start from there the laws of god are the 10 commandments that were given to moses on mount sinai and they are i'm going to call them out here right you shall have no other gods before me You shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. There are the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments act as a mirror so that we can see our sin. So they're very good, but the whole Bible acts as a mirror to see. So this is why reading a little bit of the Bible every day is going to change your life, changing my life. And I'm and I'm not the best Bible reader in the world. I will confess that. (laughs) You know, I wish I was better. But I've been doing it consistently for a very, very long time. So I'm lucky that I have built it up. And I went to many, many churches. And when I'm at church, I love a good teacher. And if you get a good pastor and a good teacher, I'm there with my Bible and my pen. And I go home and I study it. And I listen to a lot of pastors online. And I really study when I really get good teaching. But uh, sometimes um, to discipline myself to read the Bible every day is something that has been harder for me but I have always done a little and that has built up and I would find that when I look at the Bible it is a mirror and like Paul said the Apostle Paul said you must not he said I would not have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet it's amazing I love the Apostle Paul. He is my favorite, I must say, apart from Jesus. (laughs) Apart from Jesus, the Apostle Paul is my favorite, so I'm always talking about him. He's an excellent teacher. But it's brilliant, isn't it? You must not cover it. Like some people even nowadays, they hate this thing about adultery. They hate that the Bible says that. (laughs) They just want to have lots of partners and be free. And the, and the Christian comes along and says, but it does say in the Bible that adultery is a sin. They hate it because some people want to commit adultery. You know, they have all these things. You must not steal. And then people say, well, I didn't steal that much, you know well, You know, that person's rich. That's a really good one, I think. Well, they're kind of rich. They can afford that. Well, that's terrible. Just because someone has money doesn't mean you can steal from them. So they're just some thoughts in mind anyway. So so the Ten Commandments is still valid to live by, but it's not what saves us. God Mm. says, God knew that we can't keep them. And I can go into the whole history of this with the commandments. Uh, you know that they had to atone for their sins every year. The commandments were there, but people kept falling into sin. So they had to have an atonement once a year, where the high priest would atone them. They would have to bring a sacrifice. You know, a lamb if you were wealthy, but if you weren't wealthy, you would bring a you know bird or a pheasant or. Uh, you know, some small offering, but it had to be a blood offering, okay? And so the high priest, when the blood was shed, then they were atoned for their sins for one year in the tabernacle. I won't go into the detail, but all of this is relevant because Jesus, it, for years and years and years, they had to atone for their sin, and blood had to be shed, and it had to be a perfect lamb, a perfect offering, Right? Okay, so keep that in mind because that's very important because later Jesus becomes the perfect lamb who takes away our sin once and for all. So because the commandments were not working, God had to make a new plan. Why? Because there was so much sin in the world. He had to do something to get rid of this sin once and for all, to give people salvation forever. So he sent his only son, Jesus, to be an atoning sacrifice for us. That's our whole faith. That's your faith. Romans 8, 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. So he sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Please take that verse and meditate on that. If you do nothing else after this podcast, please just take that verse, write it out, put it in your notebook, and just read it all week, please. It would change your life. It is crucial you understand it. The law given to Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. This is what I'm talking about. People are talking about the weak, sinful nature. That was prior to Jesus coming to save us. Sin first entered man in the Garden of Eden. So, God did what the law could not do, and He sent Jesus to declare an end to sins, control over us. So, Jesus did that in my life. Me, Orla, Kenny, yeah? Just me, ordinary me. Imagine, just me. I'm just an ordinary person from Ireland. (laughs) Nothing special. But I'm special now. So, Jesus died for me, and He died for you. By giving his son a sacrifice for our sins, he declared an end to sins, control over me. Control. It doesn't mean that I can't. It's like before salvation, before we understand this message and receive it in our spirit and change our minds. Sin has control. We are slaves to sin. It's bondage. But as soon as we are born again we understand this message, we are free from the control of sin and we can live a godly life. We know how to live a godly life if we read the Bible and we can just not be bothered by sin anymore. Yes, 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 I can sin. It could happen. But it's not happening. Okay. It's not happening on a daily basis. Some people I told you hate me. I have enemies. They hate me because I just say no to them. I have boundaries now. And that's why they don't like me. It's not because I did anything to really hurt them apart from saying no to them. Because they're not following God. And I am. And I can't have people around me who are living in sin. And I mean, like, not just little sin, but some people are way off track. And it can be very detrimental when you're trying to follow God, so you have to set boundaries. And that's why I talk about boundaries a lot. So what happens is, this is often referred to as the exchange. When you give your life to God, it's an exchange. So you're coming, a sinful person... God has chosen you. He's led you there because we're chosen. He has chosen you. He has led you to the cross. You've met. You've received the message. You start to understand it a little bit and then you accept it. And then once you accept it, there's an exchange. Your sin is given to Jesus and you receive his perfect righteousness and you are one together that's the message he who is righteous became a sacrifice a perfect lamb for our sins if you do not get this message then you are not saved and you will struggle with sin for the rest of your life if you don't understand this then you need to really get down on your knees and ask God for salvation. Maybe you're not saved. There's a lot of people not saved in the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, the Evangelical Church, many churches. It's your responsibility to know if you're saved. When you're saved, you know it. That's what I'm going to say. You don't question Am I saved? Am I not? When you're saved, you know you're saved. And that's it. It's a knowing. So we cannot stop ourselves from sinning in the natural. It just isn't possible. So I repented of my sins, received God's forgiveness, and now I am right with God. And I serve God, and I live for God. My life is not perfect, but that doesn't mean that my spiritual life is not right. But my outward life may not look right because God's doing a work in me and I no longer belong to the world. Sometimes I wish my life looked all pretty and nice like some people who are not saved. (laughs) But God's doing a work in me and I have to follow. And it's the same with you. He might take you off that track that you're on. Bring you right down to nothing, to zero. How would you like that? Start all over again. You might say, I want you to give up that big job and go somewhere else. I want you to give up that career. I want you to stop running after money so much. You don't know what he's going to do with your life. Another part of this as well is that I know that people really get uncomfortable with me saying that I don't struggle with sin. So when you're right with God and you are living right with God, you have to learn to turn away from the world. It took me years and years and years. Now, it wasn't that I was in sin, but I didn't know how to give up my worldly life it was something I did all most of my life you know I wasn't I grew up in the Catholic church but then in my 20s I wasn't practicing much so I lost my way and then I came back so I was like how does one live a Christian life in this strange world I it was difficult so um it took me a long time to learn but it does say when we are one with God, um, it's not possible to be really. Sin- How can I be with God, remaining in Him, abiding in Him? Remain in my love, He said. Remain in me. Abide in me. Can I really sin when I'm abiding in God? Think about that. Is it possible? Also, our mind is set on heavenly things, the more you follow. If you look at Philippians three eight nine, 9 he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That was the Apostle Paul again. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, like read the Bible or seen, put it into practice. You have to put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So these are the things. This is how you do it. There is a way. There is a way. It's not just thing, magic, no sin. No, you follow the rules. (laughs) I don't think about it so much anymore. I'm just reading here. I don't think about what if I sin. No, I don't think about what if I sin. I think about Oh, what will I do today? Will God be with me? Pray to God. Worship God. Read the Bible. Pray for those people in my life. Pray for everybody in my family. Pray for all my friends. Pray for my enemies. Pray for the day goes well. Just pray, pray, pray. That's the way to do it. So don't be living in unbelief. Live a life of faith. That's it. I have faith. I don't sin. I live with Jesus. I abide in him. God loves me. I now belong to God. I'm a child of God. I no longer belong to the world. The world hates me, and I don't care. So that's how it is. That's how it works. The Apostle Paul also said in Ephesians 2, 8, because of the cross, right standing before God is by grace through faith alone faith is the answer right have faith just believe and love is the greatest commandment of all okay so we don't even if you just think of the uh, the commandment that jesus gave the greatest commandment love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself keep it simple jesus likes to keep things simple so if you do that, that will keep you away from sin. We are saved by grace, but we do have the sinful nature. But through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to live a godly life free from sin. We are free in Christ. But there will be a struggle. But there is more of a struggle at the beginning, and it does get less. But we never want to get complacent. And this is what I'm saying. I don't think about it much. It doesn't mean I don't I don't think about oh will I sin? It's kind of always there. It's like it's like I made that decision a long time ago. I don't live in the world. If I go there, I go back. It's no good. there's nothing there. It's just nothing there. I'm not thinking about it every day. I know if I go back there, there's sin. I know I could fall into sin. I know there's nothing. That's it. I just know that. So that's what I'm saying. That's how come we can find freedom. Don't be worrying about it. Make a decision. So don't try to um, obey the laws of the commandments and think, that's what's going to get you through life because it's not the apostle paul will say that if you are trying to follow the ten commandments that means you are obliged to follow all the law and he used the example of well then if you think that's right go and get circumcised because it says do the ten commandments follow them and keep them and be a good christian Well, if it says that, that means you have to do everything in the law, and that means get circumcised. So all you Christians who believe that are to go out and get circumcised. So that's the Apostle Paul's answer to that situation. So you are free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Okay, so I tell everybody, I don't worry about sin. I'm free in Christ. She's crazy. What's she talking about? She's not free. Look at the world out there. Yes, I am free, but that does not give me permission to go out and indulge in the flesh. Galatians five, sixteen to eighteen, so I say walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law what are the desires of the simple nature i said them at the beginning and what is the fruit of the holy spirit so if you walk in the spirit you will produce fruit so if you want to measure your own life or you want to measure somebody else's life i don't mean in a judgmental way but in a way of safety some people will disguise themselves as christians and say they are followers of jesus christ but they are not and they do appear in churches so the way to know them is by their fruits and the way to know yourself is by your fruits if you don't have these fruits well then there is a problem and we all need these checks so i also go to the checklist for myself so this is the checklist Galatians 5.22 but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control do you have those in your life? every day? if you want to grow these are the things that you have to do check check yourself with the Spirit check yourself with the Bible what other the Christians have to say so as I said earlier I did post this on another platform it's, and it was interesting the feedback that they said and it was good feedback and uh, actually one of the writers pointed to the book of um, 1 John which is excellent um, because it talks about this area of sin. And I recommend that everybody would look at that. 1 John. And um, Actually, even the next book after it also covered it. Let me see. Can I open it here? Yes, I will open it here before we finish. Coming to a close now. And yeah, the book, of it's at the back of the Bible. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. I recommend you read them all. So I really enjoy when people get engaged in my um, content because it actually just expands it for me. And it uh, they point me to other scripture that supports what I'm saying. And this is why community is so important because I'm saying one thing. I'm not pretending to know everything. And another loving brother or sister says, yes, Orla, yeah, that's a good point. But did you look at this scripture? And I say, oh, yes, that's good. And then we have dialogue. But we love one another and we respect one another. Light and darkness, sin and forgiveness. Okay, this is the part now this man mentioned. It says in verse 5, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He said then the next line says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and will forgive us and our sins of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Okay, so some people and some people were pointing that to me. Oh, but if you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you, Orla. That's just one line. The line above says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship of one another and the blood of Jesus. His Son purifies us from all sin. And then please go on and read the next two chapters, two and three, please, if you're interested. Because it says anybody who's in Christ and knows Christ and loves Christ and abides in him does not continue sinning so there you go that's my argument (laughs) okay so that's it everybody i don't really have anything more to say i really wanted to share that i wanted to put it out there because i feel people are in bondage my message is freedom in christ i believe in freedom in christ i have freedom in christ and thank god for it i'm very happy with that many areas of my life god is working in i have a lot to learn a lot more to grow but i have freedom and i don't think christians should be left living in bondage so i hope that message was useful i will be um i will continue next week on a topic i've all kind of um yeah i was thinking about what i'm going to talk about in the next podcast I will talk about how I overcame worldly desires, because it isn't true that it happened to me just like that. But I want people to know that it happened in the spirit. And then my mind got renewed. And then I had to learn how to overcome worldly desires and temptation, because there is a journey. And the Holy Spirit was there to help me with that. So I will go into that in more detail. And it is a journey. It's a journey for those who want to mature in Christ, want to grow, and want freedom. So that's it. Talk to you soon. I hope that was helpful. Good night and God bless.